Well, my sermon this morning continues our sermon series. If you've not got a Bible out yet, now's a great moment to pull it up. You're going to be working hard this morning. If you do have it, brilliant. If you're wondering, is he going to read them? Because he usually reads them. I am going to read them, but that's cheating. Uh, But let me just say, first and foremost, as we continue our sermon series about vision and values, you're joining us in the midst of what I think is a really good sermon series. I don't think it's a really good sermon series because I've written them, although I have, but because I think these are qualities that I see in our church that have been a long and deliberate trend, things that we're intentionally doing, need to continue doing, and hopefully none of these words that encapsulates a whole bunch of thoughts strikes you as strange or unusual, but something that you recognize in the fellowship that we have as a church, both here and now in Ainsford as well. So my title this morning is Diverse. Diverse. The last 12 months have brought the issue of diversity into rather sharp focus. The spectre of racism hanging over our lives in an age of increasing cultural awareness, a need for positive action to right an imbalance and seek justice for all. Terms like anti-racism have emerged. As a church and as a people, I think we need to continue learning. And if you hear nothing else this morning other than this, I hope you would hear this. When one suffers, the whole church suffers. Our diversity as people made in God's image reflects our creator God. And understanding the benefit of diversity means recognizing the differences and celebrating them. Celebrating the people that God has made us to be in his image, finding our identity in Christ both individually and corporately. I, like many of you, have taken some time to listen, and I think there's a lot more listening to do, and complacency is all too easy to slip into. But that isn't possible for everyone. I haven't got the words to make the world as it should be, but I believe Jesus' restoring power, the power of the cross, His resurrection points us to a better way, the Jesus way. And while I might not have the words to make the world the way we wish it would be for all people, I think the word of God is a powerful guide and instruction on how we should be living life together. So here's a bunch of scripture and I'm going to unpack it verse by verse and we're going to move quite quickly and I just want to say a few things that I find in the word of God that I think speak to this word diverse and the diverse church that we're growing into. Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Each one of us is made in the image of God is what I take away from that. Look around you. These are people made in the image of God. Every person you will meet 
is a person made in the image of God. If you want to understand more about who God is, seeing his creation is a wonderful way to learn about him. Each one of us is created by our Heavenly Father who doesn't make mistakes. God made you in his image, your Heavenly Father. And each of us needs to hold on to that truth when we look at one another. These are the people that God has made. If you don't want to take that encouragement from me, perhaps you'll take it from Jesus himself. Jesus' words in Matthew 22 verse 39 says, And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The first commandment is to love God, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you're in any doubt about how to treat one another, it doesn't get much better than Jesus telling you, does it? I don't know why we struggle with this. I don't know why things like racism exist. I think it's probably because of sin and fallenness and people's insecurities and misunderstandings and so many other things where the father, at li- father of lies is at work. Not God, but the enemy. But Jesus tells us how to be. Jesus doesn't give us very many instructions, very many rules. One of the things I love about the Bible is it's a collection of wonderful stories, timeless stories, with encouragement for every single one of us. So often a rebuke comes so softly. I'm more encouraged than chastised. Do you ever feel that way when you read the Bible? Diverse, deliberate, by design. That's how God has made us. That's how God sees us, each one of us, made in his image, by his design, deliberately made by him. And let me say this, I don't think diverse is the opposite to racism. I think love is. God calls us to love others as we love ourselves. Most people will be quite kind to themselves. They'll hope that other people would assume the best of them. Most people, when they do something wrong, they want people to assume the best, to take time to inquire, to learn, to grow, not to jump to a harsh or hasty decision. And that's how we're being told to act towards one another. One particularly great president of the United States once said, I really dislike that man. I must learn to get to know him better. Not saying which one, because I don't want to get caught up in the whole this one, that one thing. But I think that's a great quote. (coughs) Here's a, a longer passage for you. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 21. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, all, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, there would, where would the sense of hearing be? 
If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need to you, need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The church is the bride of Christ has a very special place in God's heart. Each one of us is a part of that whole. One of the things I think has been hardest during COVID has been the isolation and the separation. The hand over here in its house, the foot over there in its house. And we've got an opportunity to bring that body back together. But in the same way, there are things that strike at the heart of that unity. There are things that tear us apart rather than knitting us together. And I think the Spirit's power, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives, one of the most wonderful, incredible miracles that I see in God in our lives is the Spirit of unity. The Spirit of unity. In our church, I hope that that is what helps us come to decisions and have like-minded thinking. I hope it's not groupthink, but instead, I hope it's the Holy Spirit pulling our hearts together, helping us unite ourselves with God, unite ourselves as a church body, as a community, as a group of people coming together. And I think that that spirit of unity, the spirit of God coming and making a home in our hearts, uniting us for his purposes, by his power, for his glory, is a wonderful thing. God's designed the church one body that he dies for, he redeems, he restores from death to life, through grace and the cross, many parts serving him harmoniously with different functions, and yet the same calling. Hating a part of our body makes no sense and racism makes about the same amount of sense as hating another part of your body. But in this broken and fallen world, even hating your body seems to be a thing that people struggle with. The world and the media push images and suggestions of what's beautiful and what's right, what's good and what's bad. And it begins to distort our view of reality. And so we need to come back to Jesus regularly. We need to keep turning to God. We need to recognize his truth, not our own. Our own truth will never be sufficient in a world full of lies and misunderstanding. Fallen and broken. We can't trust my truth, your truth. And I know that that's not popular to say in this modern world where everybody's truth is their reality and their identity. But I want to suggest to you that if you belong to God, your identity is found in Christ, that you are a new being, a son or daughter of the King of Kings, and that your opportunity 
more than your opportunity, your responsibility as citizens of the kingdom of God is to recognise the indivisible truths, not just about God, because we're quick to believe those things, aren't we? But to take a moment and hear the things that God says about you. Created in his image. Worth dying for on a cross for you. A part of the body, the bride of Christ. Another great verse, Galatians 3, 27 to 29 says, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female. You're all one in Christ. And if you're a Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. One in Christ. That's our identity. We're one in Christ. Heirs according to the Lord's promises. The promises of God over our lives are our shared blessing. The promise of God for your life, a hope, a future for good things, not evil. For his provision, for his blessing, for his prosperity. Not your prosperity, but his prosperity in your life. Baptised into one family of faith. Isn't that the greatest unity statement you've ever heard? Sometimes we consider various creeds, different things that different groups put out, statements of faith. We try and articulate the, the foundation level of who we are as Christians and what that means. How we identify one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Baptised into Christ, put on Christ, whatever you are, whoever you are, wherever you're from, that your identity is in Christ. That's the reality we're being asked to take on in Jesus. Our identity is co-heirs with Christ. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Perhaps we're thinking to ourselves, how do we grow into the church that God is calling us to be? I think this verse is a great instruction to us. In fact, generally, if you want to know more of the abundance of God in your life, and by that I mean have a closer relationship with God, walk in his blessing, but also his promises and his provision, then you need to do this. You need to humble yourself before God. We need to see one another as God sees us. We need to turn from our wicked ways. And we need to call upon the name of the Lord in prayer. And when we do so, we find forgiveness and healing. We find freedom and hope. We find an abundance of the will of God for our lives. One last verse for you this morning. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, it says, And Jesus came to them 
and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When we look at this passage, we see that first of all, where does our instruction come from? Just like the two great commandments, love God and love one another, this is this is our calling, our responsibility. Who are we being given this great assignment, this mission by? We're being given this mission by Jesus. It's Jesus' authority. The mission of God is Jesus' plan for the salvation of the world. Not of English people or African people, or American people, or Asian people, or any group of people. This doesn't belong to us. Our faith isn't our own. It belongs to Jesus. And Jesus gives us this wonderful gift of hope for eternity and invites us, invites us to choose him. And in doing so, he becomes ours and we become his. But the instruction is to go out. Go and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. Not this group or that group, but don't worry about them. All nations. Jesus wants a diverse church, I guess is my summary here. In the JSV, if I was rewriting this, you know, that's the Joel's simple version. Jesus came and said, I'm in charge. Jesus says, I'm in charge. Go and tell some people about me. Baptize them. Welcome them into the family of faith in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, share with them. Remind them that I am with you all to the end of the age. And so naturally, naturally our church begins to reach out to people all around. Every church has to. No church should be any less diverse than the people and the communities that they're a part of. The church's responsibility doesn't stop at the borders of our town, but it goes on to Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. We're a diverse church because this is a diverse area. Our church has grown more and more diverse, and I pray it continues to. Because I pray that people who live in these surrounding roads, streets, homes, come to know more about Jesus. Friends, we're members of the body of Christ. Diverse is a word that reflects our church. The church that we've grown into reflects our wider community. I've grown up in fairly diverse churches. That's been something of a norm. 
So I struggle to recognise the church when it's not diverse. But I know that this isn't everybody's experience. That isn't everybody's normal. And so I hope what we will do as a church is consider less our norm, but the norm of heaven. You see, when we look at the world through our eyes, our perception, rather than taking on Christ fully, we see what's normal to us and we think that's how it should be. But let me tell you about heaven for a moment. I think heaven is going to be a wonderful praise party for eternity, worshipping Jesus together forever. I think when we gather together in church and the diversity of our church comes together, all peoples come together, when we've got the opportunity to gather as we do now, we get some small foretaste of what heaven might be like. We have an opportunity to come together as peoples from all around God's creation and worship the one that created it all. We are tremendously blessed by the diversity that we have in our church. The fact that people from all over the world are finding their spiritual home with us is a wonderful blessing. I think it's God's best. It's a richness. It's a richness like no other. It's a privilege to be stewards to the kingdom of God. That brothers and sisters from all across creation become a part of our fellowship. But the best is yet to come. You know, this morning I've touched upon a few ideas that were created in God's image, each and every one of us, and so we have a diversity in our church that is reflecting something of who God is. That we should love our neighbours ourselves, that we're one body with many parts, that we're baptised into Christ and have put on Christ and so find unity in Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit and that so we must humble ourselves, seek God, turn away from our wicked ways and know his best in our lives and that as we do that and as we observe his instruction to us to go out and bring all peoples in, I think that is what has made us a diverse church. And I think the job isn't finished yet. I don't have the words to correct the the world around us. But I think the Bible's best, pointing us to the Father heart of God, showing us his way, his plan for his people, looks nothing like the brokenness and sin that we see in the world, that divides people, that leads to racism, that causes war. And so if we're going to be Jesus' people, then I think humbling ourselves, 
loving our neighbour as ourselves and reaching out. That's the Jesus way that we're called to. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are an imperfect people. Father, we need to listen more to one another that we might love one another better and to you that we might more fully walk in your promises and your provision. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, keep growing us into a diverse church. Father, keep encouraging us in the ways that we have come so far. But help us recognize together that this is not a finished project. Your mission is in front of us. The people that you love from all over the world are finding their homes here in greater London and in Kent. That our church, one church now in two locations, has grown in its diversity and needs to continue. Father, we're imperfect people with imperfect words. Remind us of your Father's heart, your best, that we might more fully love and serve you by loving our neighbour as ourselves. In Jesus' name. Amen.